We are so honored that you would take the time out of your week to listen to this week's message. We pray that you find it helpful and life-giving. If you would like more information on Hope Church, you can check us out at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A.com. Thanks for listening. And everybody said, amen. You guys can take a seat. Man, I'm so excited to be with you here at Hope Church. This is an amazing Sunday. It is also a very special Sunday for me and our family because today is my dad's 80th birthday. Pappy Al uh, plays the keyboards here every Sunday, and um, he does a lot behind the scenes that you might not know about. So let me just brag on my dad. First of all, we took my dad yesterday to play, uh, to go axe throwing. Um, There's a really great place called Little Bit of Bull over in Cambridge, um, and they have axe throwing up top. And, you know, me and my brothers and sisters thought, sure, we'll take dad to throw axes. Um, We all know that my dad's an amazing man who never seems to run out of energy, but we took him to play um, axe throwing, and uh, we got our instructions and our safety bits, and we're all ready to go. And would you know, this man beat every single one of us at every single game the entire day. He's 80. And he's throwing axes like a pro. I'm telling you what, I hope that I have that ability um, when I am his age. Listen, last week we talked about our need to be there for those in our community who find themselves the most vulnerable. Specifically, we talked about orphans and we talked about foster families. If you don't know, our heart is with the most vulnerable. That's why Hope Kids is so valuable to us and important for our function. That's why Hope Youth exists. We want to make sure that, hope, that kids and youth have a place to call home. That's why our youth events, our large youth events, take place at the middle school, and we go all out for our youth. Right here at the middle school on December 2nd, we're going to have our <laughs> Meowie Catmas party for youth. So you can find your ugliest cat Christmas sweater, and you can rock that thing if you are 6th through 12th grade. Man, it's going to be an amazing time. You don't want to miss that. We talked about God's heart for his people, um, that it's to maintain an exclusive loving relationship with him and to love our neighbors, right? We talked about how important that was. And if you haven't been able to jump on the drive, we still have one more week. We're going to be gathering things for the Sussex Foster Association. So we are collecting duffel bags and toiletry items, and then we're going to be stocking uh, stuffing stockings. That is hard to say, okay? We're going to be stuffing stockings for children zero through two years old and 15 through 18 year old. So um, if you can donate some things to that, that would be such a blessing. If you are not a shopper, yo, I get it. Uh, You can donate financially and just put a note um, for Sussex Foster to that. That would be amazing. Uh, Next week, we're going to jump, can you believe this, into Christmas. We start Advent next week, and we're going to be jumping into our series, The Coming King. I'm so excited to talk about all that Jesus came to be and to do, and how God, through his perfect preparation, set our place at the table. Growing up around the table during the holidays wasn't always so peaceful. Our family, like yours, always had some tension, and there was always a person who said inappropriate things that our family didn't say. 
We all have a weird uncle or a stray cousin or somebody who is just a little outside of left or right. We're not sure which, but you know who I'm talking about, right? The one who brought up politics or, or who, who uh, you just knew that you could just sense there was some kind of disagreement brewing. Uh, there was the one who always one-upped somebody, right? They always had to one-up you, right? Oh, well, Johnny got, you know, on A, B, honor roll. Oh, really? Well, Francis and Nancy both got on L, A, honor roll, and they're also valedictorian. No, they're not in kindergarten. It's fine, right? There's always the one-upper. And then you have, um, and, and it could be anything, vacation, whatever. They're just going to one-up you. Oh, yeah? You went to Tahiti? Well, I went to TV, Tahiti and France. It's fine. Uh, then there is the one who's in a controversial relationship, right? Whatever your grandmother doesn't agree with, they're all about, right? There is the one that's just out there doing whatever, right? And, and then there's the one who chose an alternative lifestyle that is definitely making Nana uncomfortable, right? And then there's, there's, there may be like the one who drank too much at the table or was already drunk by the time they got there. There's that guy, right? And things can sometimes get heated around the table, right? Have you ever experienced this? By a show of hands, who has the difficult person at the table? Who, who has one in their family? Oh, come on, guys. Let's be honest. There's got to be one, right? There's always one who's kind of psycho, right? A little psycho. Um, if you um, are not holding up your hand, it might be you. It might be you. And that's okay. We're here for you too. So wouldn't you admit that sometimes our dysfunction and unhealthy family dynamics boil down to wrestling over past hurts. Wouldn't you agree that we end up having a lack of peace at the table because we're still hung up on what Uncle Frank said at the last Thanksgiving table? Maybe it was a mother-in-law who micromanages or criticizes your parenting or maybe it's a teenager and your parents just never seem to trust you. Or maybe you're from a blended home and it's difficult because there's exes involved and things get complicated and there's always a, seems to be a wrestle over who's going to take the kids and when. Or maybe there's a lack of forgiveness for a parent who hurts you and you've just carried it. I believe today that if we lean into what Jesus is going to teach us, that your table might be transformed and healing can come. Yes, even by this Thursday. And your table might be transformed forever. So you see, Jesus was surrounded by a vast crowd. He had folks around him, and it was the largest crowd yet. And they're spread all over the hillside. And if anybody uh, is following the Chosen series, um, I want to brag on, I want to brag on two things. Number one, I want to say that The Chosen is an absolutely awesome show and it's an awesome series. You should watch it. Number two, I think it's phenomenal that a Christian production became second in the box office over a weekend. Second. That's amazing. Thank God for the level of production they have. It's awesome. If you haven't watched The Chosen, you should do it because what I'm talking about right now with Jesus is coming up in this series, in this episode season. So the people needed to hear how to conduct themselves in a world where dysfunction reigns and rules and fractious divisions threaten to tear apart not only their families, but the whole of society. They were a people divided. And so there with his disciples, Jesus began to teach them saying this, 
What happiness comes to you when you feel your spiritual poverty? For yours is the realm of heaven's kingdom. What delight comes to you when you wait upon the Lord? For you will find what you're longing for. What blessing comes to you when gentleness lives in you? For you will inherit the earth. How enriched you are when you crave righteousness. For you will be satisfied. How blessed are you when you demonstrate tender mercy. For tender mercy will be demonstrated to you. What bliss you experience when your heart is pure. For when your eyes will open to see more and more of God. And then he says this, how joyful are you when you make peace, for then you will be recognized as a true child of God. The word peace in the original language in Greek and then in Hebrew, in Greek it's irene, irene, and in Hebrew it's shalom. Now this is the greeting that many Jewish people offer one another, shalom. Now it means um, more than just peace. When you say shalom to somebody, you are saying, I mean the highest level of good for you. I pray the highest level of good for you. It's not just the absence of bad, but really a an high level of good for you. So when Jesus is teaching them, be a peacemaker, he's saying you need to want the highest level of good for those around you. And this was super controversial because if you recall, what the Pharisees and the Sadducees were teaching people at the time was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. If somebody takes your clothes, you get back double fold. You just go after it. If anybody wrongs you, you have a right to wrong them in return. You have a right to get back what was taken from you. But Jesus taught a radical way of thinking. There's a difference I want to propose to you this morning between being a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. There's a distinction, and I think what Jesus is pointing out is that there is a distinction that we need to step into. The first point I want to make to you is that peacekeepers are those people who will avoid conflict just to keep the peace. These are the people who would just rather just, oh, let's just not say anything. Let's just walk on eggshells. Let's just not, don't wear that, don't do that. Don't, I don't want to cause any problems. And they would rather get trampled on or live in the anxious tension of unresolved conflict than actually have true peace. But this isn't peacemaking. This is peacekeeping. And it becomes a prison to yourself and to your family. You see, they work around the issues, not through the issues, just to placate everyone. Let's just have a truce. Let's not talk about it. They're going to grit their teeth and smile at Thanksgiving dinner. They're not going to say something. And when something happens, and they're, they're going to pretend everything's fine until something finally happens and they snap. And all heck breaks loose. Because they wouldn't confront it at 
the beginning. And I think worse than this is the peace ghoster. And if I could just talk to people who are younger than me uh, for just a minute, these are the people who just quit showing up. They just quit engaging. They just stop coming. They've ghosted you. They disconnect from anyone who feels uncomfortable to them. And can I tell you that this won't work either? Guys, if you have a conflict with your friend, young people, if you have a conflict with your friend, don't just avoid them. It's damaging to both you and your friendship. Your friend should mean more to you. Your family should mean more to you than the discomfort of having an awkward, hard conversation so that you can keep the relationship. Get some grit. Tell people how you feel because I'm telling you stronger relationships, better relationships, and more peace is available to you when you do that instead of running away and pretending like it doesn't exist at all. Blessed are the peacemakers. So what is a peacemaker? A peacemaker embraces conflict to make peace. When you're a peacemaker, you work on the issues. You have the hard conversations. You see, we believe that the Prince of Peace is with us. And because he is with us and because he is for us, we can work through any issue, any struggle, any conflict, any strife, any of Uncle Frank's drunken political rage. We can do this. We can make it happen. So you see, being a peacemaker takes courage and it takes intentionality. So as people who want to be Christ-centered, we are called to be peacemakers. So get your big boy pants on. Girls, hitch up them big girl pants. Let's go. We're going to make peace at the table. Paul said this to go right along with Jesus' teaching. He said in Romans 12, 17 through 18, he says, do not repay anyone. What? Evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Boy, that's hard, isn't it, today? It's hard to do what's right. But if you follow the word of God, you'll be right. If it is possible, he goes on to say, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you. Then he goes on to say this in verse 21. He says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Overcoming evil with good takes courage and intentionality. Because the day is evil. People are dark and broken. But he has overcome the world. Good will always triumph over evil. Uncle Frank will not know what to do with you if you take him aside and you say, hey, seems to me like you've had a little bit to drink. Would you mind if you and I go sit on the back porch for a little bit? I want to fix you a cup of coffee. Let's chat. If you made an intentional, purposeful point to connect with your hardest-to-love family member, I can guarantee you that it will, not, it will not be in vain. God will do something through you that you didn't know he could do. Blessed are the peacemakers. So if we want to be peacemakers at the table, what do we do? 
I'm going to give you three things that you can do to be a peacemaker today and every day in your life. Number one, peacemakers tell the truth in love. Peacemakers tell the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15 said it this way, we speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. I want to tell you this morning, you do not have to yell the truth to tell the truth. You do not have to yell the truth to tell the truth in love. As a matter of fact, when somebody is getting louder, probably the safest bet is to go quieter. Not ghosting, mind you, but whispering. My mom taught me this tactic with my kids. It's pretty effective. When they're screaming and I feel like I want to scream back because I'm a yeller. I'm a super passionate parent. Um, but she taught me, she says, no, you get down at their level and you whisper. I want you to go put your clothes on. And if you don't, there's going to be a consequence. It's pretty effective. You can't do that with Uncle Frank, but there's tactics. Here it is. Here's how we tell the truth in love. You tell the truth in non-conflict times, right? You don't go in the middle of a heated debate at the table and also, Uncle Frank, I'm sick of the way you smell. Probably not the ideal time to point out Uncle Frank's lack of hygiene. Not the time, right? However, if you took him aside for coffee, like I said, and you said, hey, can you, you want a mint or a shower? You know, in love? Here's the second thing that we can do to tell the truth in love. So tell it in non-conflict time. Don't wait until you're in the middle of an argument with your spouse to go and another thing and add on the thing that you have been avoiding telling them for like three months. Like, don't do that. That is not the time. Do it in non-conflict times. Don't add it on at the end. Here's the next thing you can do. You're going to confront the issue, not the person. Don't make it personal, guys. Confront the issue. When we have a disagreement in our house, we have learned that in the heat of the moment and in front of the kids is not the time to air it all out, especially not in front of the kids, right? Because they're looking for the, the, the fissure. They're looking for any kind of division because they're ready. They're going to take sides and pit us against each other so they can get the chocolate thing or whatever, right? They're going to do that. Kids are built for that. So in our home, when I don't agree with the way Alfie is handling something, when I don't like the way things are going in the house, it is not the right time to raise my voice or to correct him in front of everybody. That is not going to work. That is not the moment. That is not the opportunity to speak the truth. Instead, I'm going to take the time to, especially in front of the kids, to issue self-control. I could be boiling. And there have been times when I'm boiling on the inside and I'm angry at the moment. But I will step back and wait. Take self-control. And then I'm going to pull the person into a non-conflict zone. And I'm not going to say to Alfie, you're so stupid. I can't believe you would treat the kids like that. You're just like your father. That's not going to be helpful. Do you agree? That's not 
the way a peacemaker would resolve the conflict. Rather, I'm going to pull him aside and say, hey, listen, I noticed that you were really struggling in holding back your anger in that situation. I really think that the way that that was handled probably wasn't the best way. And there have been times when Alfie has magnificently done this for me, when I'm at my tipping point, and he'll pull me aside and say, hey, I really think that, that the issue here is that you have not had rest, and I think, I think you just need to take a minute and, and have some time to yourself. I'm just going to step out with the kids. I want you to take a minute, and then we'll come back and talk about this. Blessed are the peacemaker. You don't blame, you don't shame, and you don't play a game. I'm going to say that again. You do not blame, you do not shame, and you don't play a game. It is not time for you to step in and shame somebody. It is not time for you to step in and blame them and point that finger and shake it in their face. And it's not time to play a game to get what you want. It's a time to tell the truth in love, using your feelings and prompts. Here's some helpful statements, okay? Speak the facts, but here's some helpful statements. When you don't listen to me, I don't feel like you value me. Here's another helpful statement. When you lie to me about something insignificant, I find it difficult to trust you in larger things. Or how about when, when you check your phone at the dinner table, I feel devalued and ignored. I feel like the Holy Spirit could add a lot to us right now. When you check your phone, when you are with others, they feel devalued and ignored, especially at the dinner table. Let me give you permission to put a basket at your Thanksgiving dinner. Let me give you permission to put all cell phones here. And the first one who touches the cell phone has to do the dishes. You're welcome. You're welcome for that one. The first one has to clean up the turkey grease. Right? So that is a way that we can really begin to tell the truth in love. The second tool I want to put in your belt this morning is real far out there. You ready for this one? Apologize when you are wrong. Ladies. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, James 5, 6, 16 says this. It says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that what might happen? that you might be healed. Do you understand that this directive from the Lord, confess your sins to one another, comes with the promise that you might be what? Because blessed are the peacemakers who confess and have the dialogue and the difficult conversation because what happens? Healing. You can bring healing to your table when you will just admit when you are wrong. And I know, I hate being wrong too. I would love to be right all the time, but I'm not. And especially with your kids, guys, can I just encourage you? Please tell your kids when you've just totally messed up. There are times when my passionate parenting gets a little too passionate and I am yelling and off the rails and angry. I know you would never believe that about your sweet, sweet pastor, right? But um, that happens. 100% happens. 
And when I find myself doing that to my kids or when I delve out a punishment that may be a little too harsh because I was angry in the moment, it's the time for me to step to my kids and go, listen, I, I need you to forgive me. I want to ask for your forgiveness. We're going to talk about that in a minute. It's really important. I want to ask for your forgiveness because I didn't honor you by the way I spoke to you. I was disrespectful to you, and in our house, we honor, we, we, we really value respect. I'm sorry that I did that to you. I'm going to ask you to forgive me. Will you forgive me? And wait for their answer. Will you forgive me? And wait for their answer. I want to ask you a question. What would your relationships be like if we owned our own mistakes and our sin and then apologize when we were wrong? I guarantee you they would at least get 50% better, if not 100% better. And here's what we need to do. When we are confessing our sins to one another, we need to admit to specific actions without making excuses. I'm so sorry I slammed the door in your face, but I'm so sick and tired of the way you cheat. No. I am so sorry that I hurt your feelings by slamming the door. That was way out of bounds, and I need to know, will you forgive me for that? How much more productive is that statement than just making an excuse for the reason you did what you did? It's so valuable. It's so powerful. I'm sorry is probably one of the most powerful things you can say, followed only by, will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? You see, the big difference between remorse and repentance is remorse means you might stop the action, but repentance is recognition that what was done was a sin and that you will live with the intention to not repeat it. Repentance is a turning away. So when you confess your sins to somebody and you repent to them, you're saying, I'm not going to do this again. If I can help it, my intention is to never do this again. You see, I'm sorry is for mistakes. But will you forgive me is for sin. When you sin against somebody, you need to seek forgiveness. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Here's number three. Forgive and let it go. You got to Elsa that thing, y'all. Let it go, let it go. Okay? You got to do that. And you might be here and think, man, that's easy for you to say, Emma, you live such a little perfect life with your pastor and you've never had any conflict in your whole entire life. Or so, you know, you just don't understand what it's like living in the real world. No, let me assure you, I do know what the real world is like. I have lived it. And it may not be easy, but it's doable. And here's how I know, because Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. And if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. You know how I know this? Because about 20 years ago, Alfie and I came out of a very severely psychological and spiritually abusive church that had betrayed us and nearly bankrupt us financially. I want to tell you that it was the most difficult thing in my life because of the length of time and the scope of the pain 
coming out of that darkness. And the leaders of that church, trust me, hurt us so deeply. And for me, there was a seven-year process of working through therapy weekly to get over that hurt. It was, yes, that bad. And the leaders of that church made choices that broke our heart. And I would have to make the choice to forgive every day. And if you've ever had somebody really betray and hurt you, you know that those memories crop up. Am I right? In a day, you might have been reminded several times of the way that person hurt you. And for me, that was the case. And so I had to daily make the choice to forgive. It was a process, and I had to work that whole process. We had to work it as a couple. And when a painful memory would crop up, I would literally say out loud, as an act of my will, by the power of God, I forgive you every single time. And I can tell you that for a long time, I wished them no good. And there were times when I wished them great harm. And it was a process. But I knew that I had made a breakthrough about eight years after the close of that event. I sat in a Wesleyan church like this one. And our pastor at the time said, I really implore you to pray for those who you don't want to see go to hell. Hell is a very real place. And if you don't want to see somebody go to I encourage you to pray that they would not do that. And for the first time in my life, I really in my heart felt, I don't want them to go to hell. Do you know how much of a revelation that was for the deep hurt that I had to go, I don't want that for them. And I was able to honestly and earnestly pray for those people that they would not suffer the consequences, eternal consequences. That was huge. That was huge. I had to let it go. And can I tell you that forgiveness is a process, but it is so worth it. It is so worth it because instead of holding that pain over their heads, I let them go. And some of you call yourselves a follower of Jesus, but let's be honest, you don't act like it because you hold on to every little hurt and you don't turn the other cheek and you ghost people instead of confronting them. But I want to tell you that people who are called by the name of Jesus are peacemakers and we don't quit and we don't write people off and we don't walk away. And if we're Christians, then we're family, whether you like it or not. And we love you and we're going to confront in love and speak the truth in love. We're going to find ways to show mercy and forgiveness just as Christ has forgiven us. And we're going to apologize when we're wrong because that's what Jesus did to us and for us. He paid for us. He took the worst of us and he forgave us. And it is so worth it to turn around. Blessed are the peacemakers. So this morning, how many of you would say with me that you want to be a peacemaker today by the power of God? This week, you're going to push to be a peacemaker. If you would raise your head, I want to pray with you. Maybe you're here and you have a broken family that is in need of the Prince of Peace. I want to pray with you too. 
I want to pray for those of you who want to be peacemakers. So I want to take a minute. God, every hand that raised over this place this morning, I asked that you would help us to be peacemakers. Father, I pray that you would help us to apply your word to our hearts in these practical ways that we can step out of the discomfort and the pain and move into being a peacemaker today and this week. I pray that you would, through the power of your Holy Spirit, give us the strength to forgive just as you have forgiven us. I pray, God, that you would empower these people with the strength to speak the truth in love. And Father, I just pray that you would continue to work in their families and bring healing when they confess their sins one to another. I pray that they would embrace the awkward Jesus and that they would have the power to do that this week. We ask this in Jesus' name. We hope you found today's message both helpful and inspiring. Hope Church meets every Sunday at 10 a.m. in Seaford, Delaware, if you would like more information, you can find it at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's hope, D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A.com. Thanks for listening.